Welcome to Tailboard Talk, a fourth shift fitcast. The mission of Tailboard Talk and the fourth shift fitness is to educate and train fire service personnel to increase durability and decrease the potential for injuries and their associated costs. My name is Chris Morella, owner and founder of Fourth Shift Fitness. I'll use my experience as a personal trainer, strength coach, and 15-year veteran of the fire service to deliver tips, tricks, lessons, and information specifically geared towards the health and wellness of firefighters and paramedics. Each episode, you'll leave with immediate deliverables that will improve performance and resilience and keep you in the fight through your career and into retirement. Let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Tailboard Talk of Force Shift Fitcast, and we are coming to you in the last few days, maybe the last few hours, of being a single child household. Um, Katie's at a, actually at a doctor's appointment right now, and the last time this happened, when she was this close to her due date, it was a doctor's appointment, and then about 36 hours later, Nathan was making his entrance. So we are very close to being very busy. And we're both very excited. Uh, Nathan has no idea what's going on, so he's going to completely get his world rocked. But we're all looking forward to it. So a little bit of housekeeping. That's the first thing, which is going to cause the second thing, uh, which is, hold on a second, there's a wasp in here. All right. Definitely going to have to go back and watch the ring camera footage on what just happened. There was a wasp that came in here. So I went and retrieved Nathan's broom, which is his broom and uh, basically scaled the walls swatting at this thing. Anyways, part two of the housekeeping is that because I'm gonna, we're, we'll be having the second kid, it's going to be a little hectic around here, and I played around with ways to keep this podcast going kind of effectively and keep it interesting. Played around with the co-host idea, played around with just taking a break on an idea, but what I'm going to do instead, and I'm pretty excited about this because it kind of plays back into the original philosophy of the fourth shift, is I'm going to have on guests who take over the episode. It's The floor is theirs. And so you're going to hear some really awesome stories from some truly experienced and, and awesome people. Really looking forward to that. So so just keep your eyes open for that. After this episode, the next couple are going to be these, uh, these TED Talk type of tailboard talks. It's going to be awesome. Totally pumped. Let's move on to today's episode. And that is what to look for in a personal trainer or a coach. And it's a wormhole of a subject because there's so many things to look for. I mean, whether you're doing in person or uh, over the internet, if you're doing like a remote coaching thing, there's so many things to look for. There's so many red flags, but it really comes down to just a few points. And I wrote down a couple of them here. And the first one that I always go back to, I mean, I'm on social media, just like you guys are pretty frequently. And the first thing that catches my eye is how relatable the person is and kind of in two categories. First of all, what they're doing, like what kind of workouts or movements or programs they're doing. And the second one is like their lifestyle. Like, can I relate to this person? Do I actually care about what they're talking about? Now, the movement one is kind of easy. You can look at people and see what they're doing, what their program is, and say, this is, is this something I would want to do? Like, you've got to be attracted to what they're doing. And so if you just go with what you like, like everything doesn't have to be putting yourself in situations you don't like. Do stuff you like. Find people that work out the way you want to work out and that teach working out that way and teach training that way and then check them out. There's nothing that says that if you hate Olympic lifting, then you have to do it because you want to be well-rounded and you don't want to feel like you have a blind spot. You can do some of it, 
but find somebody that does most of the things that you like. There's so many people out there. Find one. Find someone you can relate to, someone that you share a training interest in and with, and then start there. Now, the second one is kind of an interesting one. It's the lifestyle side of it. And it's can you relate or can they relate to your lifestyle? Can you relate to their lifestyle? And I was never like a, a morning, I was never a routine person in general, very opportunistic, never really stick to a regimen of very many sorts or routines or like rules with my day. I can kind of fit the workout in wherever I can. I can kind of get computer work and, and uh, personal training work in wherever I can. So that definitely has some downfalls to it, right? But the other side of that is when you get on and you see someone with like a three-hour morning routine and it consists of waking up and hydrating and meditating and journaling and going for a walk and eating and making their favorite smoothie and then coming back and reflecting and then maybe shooting some client emails and then getting a workout in and they're third of the way through their day already. And I'm not saying like, listen, we got a kid. My day is just boogers and farts all the way from beginning to end. It's not. But that's not the kind of uh, schedule I like to keep. That's not the, I don't, I don't have the lifestyle with my job that allows me to do that every day. I can't always wake up at 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning and get my morning run in, stuff like that. So if someone doesn't jive with your lifestyle, if you look at them and think like, okay, that's good for you, but that's not anything I'm interested in, then you probably shouldn't pick that person as a coach because there's going to be a point where your lifestyle and the way you like to run things clashes with clashes with what they're going to tell you to do or continue to promote you to do. And if nothing else, it's just going to make you feel bad. Like if this person, uh, not to overgeneralize, if this is a young person in their 20s who is single and has a good amount of money, your lifestyle is going to clash with that almost no matter who you are. So if they continuously push that in your face and you start to resent them because you don't have three hours every morning to journal and reflect and make a smoothie and go for a run and then meditate or whatever else, there's going to be an eventual clash there. Now, the other side of that specifically for firefighters is you have to find someone that lives in the real world. And that's kind of what that last example is an example of is not living in the real world for a majority of us. You got to have somebody that you can relate with on a flexibility basis. So last night I was on the ambulance and we didn't go to bed till about, uh, we didn't get back to the station till about 1.45 and I didn't go to bed till about 2.30 or almost 3 o'clock. I need a coach that understands the demands of my job and understands that this morning I'm not going to wake up at 5.30 and go for a run. I may get a workout in later this afternoon. I may not at all. But if my coach can't understand that, or share some common ground with a little bit of flexibility, that's not the coach for me. So like I said, as much as it's important to like what they're doing, the lifestyle that your coach leads or the person, the people that you're viewing on social media, it has to kind of fit with your lifestyle too. You don't have to fit into their lifestyle. They have to fit into yours and be able to understand yours. They are selling the product. You are the consumer. So you get to pick what you want. Of course, there's a caveat to this. If you have a garbage lifestyle that's destructive yeah probably make some improvements find somebody that is quote unquote better than you uh, in a few areas if you want to use that terminology whatever don't get too weird about it but if you have someone that's leading the kind of lifestyle that would help you improve uh, and it's reasonable maybe that's a good idea if it's a completely off base and you're just living in two different worlds um, probably don't hire that person as your coach unless you really really like that kind of idealistic superficial motivating kind of thing all right the next one is see if you can get a look at their coaching style 
this is a major pitfall of a lot of online coaches now that don't have a ton of experience. So I still consider myself very young in the strength and conditioning world and the training world. I got my first uh, official job, like getting paid to coach in 2012. Uh, and so coming up on 10 years, but it sure doesn't feel like that. I still feel like I'm very young with the ability now to pick up a, a coaching platform and gain a following. You have people that have never actually coached in a, like a brick and mortar facility or an actual in-person one-on-one uh, type of situation for more than a year or two, if that. And that's not to say they don't have the skills or the knowledge or anything like that to pull it off. But with all that experience that you would typically get over five to 10 years of coaching groups and individuals and injured people and rehabilitating people and athletes and old people and student athletes, you get such a broader toolbox to use. And so it's important that if you can try to get a look at how this person coaches, how they lead the session, um, how they motivate and how they instruct two completely different things. A lot of people you might find as you get into a program, if you're doing a trial with them, or even if you commit to a program with them, they're nothing more than just a fleshy meat bag of motivational quotes. And there's not a lot of substance underneath that. So when you may be asking them for a movement alteration or a, a consideration on some sort of range of motion because of pain, they might come back at you with some uh, Instagram quote worthy stuff and you find yourself in a world of hurt because now you kind of reach the depth of their breadth of knowledge, which is, which is just overwhelming enthusiasm and not much actual education. So try to see if you can get a little bit of an idea how they're going to help you when you need something change in their program. And that also leads into the next point. See if you can find out, and it should be relatively clear based on whatever they're putting on social media or whatever they're advertising. See if you can find out if they use methods or principles as their main focus. And here's kind of the breakdown of that. There's an old saying uh, that methods are many and principles are few. If you want to take it even further, it's that methods always change and principles rarely do. It's rhyme time here on Tailboard Talk. So what that means is that I'm not married to using dumbbells or kettlebells or a barbell or the landmine or bands or the airdyne or yoga or powerlifting. I'm not married to any of that. I want to use the best tool for the job. I'm married to principles of lengthening your uh, interior hip, strengthening your butt, lengthening your chest, strengthening your back, helping out uh, the posture, position, intensity continuum when you're under load. All those things are principles. And then you get to pick which tool to accomplish that job. There's, um, very, there's a chance that you're going to find a coach that you're attracted to and you'll find out that they're solely and completely married and locked into one method, which would be, hey, I only do kettlebells or I only do Olympic lifting or I only do powerlifting or I only do endurance training. That's okay if you're going to specialize in those things. If I want to be an excellent strongman, I'm going to seek out a strongman facility and do exactly what I need to be a better strongman. If I'm a firefighter paramedic, I need to find uh, I need to find the best training that's going to make me the most well-rounded and most durable and most effective, and that's going to require a lot more things than just one tool. So if you find a trainer that you think you're going to jive well with and they're hesitant or downright refuse to let go of the one method that they enjoy coaching in, that's a huge red flag because you may need more than that in your general preparedness training especially for fires and firefighters and paramedics, you need more than one tool. If your coach doesn't have more than one tool because of preference or uh, limited education and experience, maybe find someone else unless you're looking to specialize in that one thing. 
Now, the third thing, which is probably actually the fourth thing, is kind of a sticky subject, and we're wrapping this episode up. It's going to be a quick one. Uh, we're going to talk about money on a very basic level. When I was starting out training, I would literally try to give my training away. Like I would train people on the cheap for free. I would volunteer to train people that didn't even want it because I wanted more experience. I wanted more reps doing it. I wanted to test out my programs and see how they did. And then as you go on, as you gain that toolbox and you gain experience and you start to invest more in your education, the price of your services should go up. Now, this is where a lot of firefighters and first responders have a failure in their ability to complete the process of actually signing on with a trainer or coach. It's because we all love a deal. What I'll tell you is the best training you're going to get is not going to be the cheapest training. And that's just the way it is. We want everything to be heavy duty. We can't survive unless something says heavy duty on it and has a Maltese cross on it. But at the same time, if that thing costs more than $7, there's a good chance we're just going to ask for somebody else to buy it for us or see if we can get the department to pay for it. And if you're in a position where the department can pay for your training, if you have a Ford Fire Tax Board that will reimburse you for uh, fitness, if you're, it's a department incentive, use it, right? If it's not that way, you have to consider some sort of physical fitness training or coaching or environment experience, some sort of workout has to be considered an investment in your future because that's really, really what it is. And you have to consider it like any other car payment, um, subscription service like Netflix or Hulu or anything like that. It's got to be just a part of your life that you're going to devote X number of dollars to because you see the benefit in it over a 30-year career. And that's the best advice I can give you. If you're going to continuously shop around for deals or Groupons or dabble in free online templates. There's plenty out there. You can absolutely do it. But if you want to make actual, sustainable, real change and actual, sustainable, measurable improvements, you're going to need a system that's with you for a lot longer duration. That may cost money. I'm not saying it's going to be the same as a car payment. It's not going to be hundreds of dollars a month, probably. But it can be. If you want to seek out that level of training, it sure can be. It can also be 30, 40, 50, 100 bucks a month. There's a, a wide continuum of prices that people charge to train people you have to find one that fits with your restrictions and your budget obviously but you also have to not expect that it's going to be free and you may not be able to name your own price for the things you want to do so if you got something a way of training you really like to do a trainer you really want to work with something that's actually working for you i would just ask you to reevaluate and see if you can fit that in your priorities just like any other payment that you make subscription that you have or kind of thing that you've accepted as part of your life, because this is the one thing that may actually help you in the future. Not the one thing. It's one of the few things that you will see in a return on your investment on if you invest smartly. And that's investing in yourself. And it's investing in a good coach that has your best interest at mind and at heart and can help you down the long path of this 30-year career. Remember, we're not three- to six-year athletes like pro athletes. We're 30-year athletes, and we have to train ourselves like that. That takes more than a free online template once every six months when you feel like you've been getting lazy. All right, guys. Rambled a little bit. I don't think I complained too much, but that's my take on what you should look for in a trainer coach. All right, guys. Like I said, look out for these next couple episodes. TED Talk, Tailboard Talk, no copyright infringement. Uh, very excited to have some guest hosts on to take over the episode and give you guys the best information possible that can drive the fire service forward, especially in terms of health and wellness. As always, for possibly the last time talking to you as a one-kid household, 
Chris from Four Shift Fitness. Talk to you soon. Be a Four Shifter.